0: Welcome to 40 Going on 14. I am Mike.: I am Patrick. I'm Joel And I'm Josh, and this week we're going to be
1: talking about alcoholics, narcissists and overall bad friends. but we won't be just be talking about ourselves. Let's also be talking about cheers, and it's always <laughs> sunny in
0: Philadelphia.: This say it's the origin show, part two. <laughs> Yay: Yeah, so we've, we've been bouncing this idea around for a while. And because we were looking at Cheers and we're looking at Always Sunny to try and find a then for Always Sunny. And they match up kind of. I mean, there's a bar. There's a bar. There's some narcissists. There's alcoholism. Yeah, there's plenty of drinking. Yeah.
2: But there's no kitten mittens and Cheers, but, you
0: know, can't have it all. There's no Toad Spoon. Toad Spoon either. Toad Knife? But uh, the Toad Knife. (laughs) Yeah, If you like
1: Toad Knives... You might also like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as Joel's Own the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, The Dog and Deuce Show, Mom and the New Dad, The Empty Rant Podcast, and of course, The Red Dad Radio Hour.
2: Are
0: you done?
3: And jazz hands.
0: Wow. Now I'm done. Yep. If you're looking for some of this uh, older stuff, we are on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Blueberry Stitcher, TalkShoot, Podverse FM. We are on Spotify and also on uh, iHeartRadio. So uh, if you want to leave us a review, you can go there to Apple Podcasts or go to Podchaser. You can find us there. Uh, some other cool stuff we have going on. If you want to chat with us, you can go on to Discord. Our Discord is 40 go and yeah, we have actually a lot of chatter going on. The are always talking. It's good to hear from you guys.
1: Engaging conversations just like that.
4: Yes.
0: Topical. We wanna do a shout out to
4: Rivet. Hey Rivet. Who did he ask for a shout out?
0: No, I like Rivet. I was gonna and he's got a cool nickname. His nickname reminds me of like if you watched like a uh, like a steampunk adventure, Rivet would be the guy who's got the big wrench on his back, and he's the greasy guy who's always fixing things. I mean, he's greasy because he's fixing things. He's not just greasy because he's like the guy who's going to turn everybody in. But that could be a thing too, because he'd be the last person you expect.
2: I thought he was a transformer.
4: I mean, it might be that too. I don't know. He's Canadian. Canadian transformers. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what well, the hell just happened I, I I'm hate not really
0: you, sure that I just laughed at that no but more also, shout outs <laughs> uh, no I'm gonna I'm
3: gonna give one more shout out to uh, Karen, listener Karen because this was her topic that she suggested so she uh, deserves oh, to yeah. shout out. oh
0: well thank you Karen
1: that's why we were talking about it oh that shout out went so much better than the last one we'll just move on I think it's about that time
0: yes
4: This Week in Music, Movies, and TV.
0: All right, so we went back in time to September 30th, 1982, which was the premiere of the first episode of Cheers, which was a lot earlier than I was expecting it to be.
2: And the premiere of the Canadian Transformers starring Rivet.
0: He turns into a bottle of maple syrup.
4: And then you drink him. He doesn't turn into a rivet.
0: What? That wouldn't make any sense. He's Canadian.
2: They're very polite. <sighs> oh, my God. They don't fight the Decepticons. They go out and.
4: Frolic in the forest. Anyway, I... music. Eh? Hey. The number one so this song.
3: Is, this in this the news. We're hiring for forty going on fourteen. If you'd like to do a podcast with me and Josh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the number one song in the land was "Abracadabra" by the Steve Miller Band. A one-week run that was ended by "Jack and Diane" by John Cougar Mellencamp. Incorporated. no. He was just John. Was no, Mellencamp.
3: He was just John Cougar. C- he was Hoover? just
2: John. Yeah, he John wasn't Cooper. married yet. Yeah, he was just John Hoover.
3: Yeah, this was, his, this was his maiden name. Yes. So this is when it was John Cougar, not Johnny Cougar. Correct. It was that little tiny
1: window.
2: Or Joanne Cougar, his mom.
1: What is
3: he but, now? I mean, now he's just, you know, retroactively, he's John Cougar, Mellencamp, and everything.
4: He's, he's
1: going to continue John. to evolve into just Cougar, Mellencamp. <laughs> Cougar, Mellencamp.
3: Or just Mel John.
2: Incidentally, Abracadabra is Patrick's favorite Steve Miller band song.
3: Ah. Uh. <laughs> I was trying to just ignore that song altogether. Yeah, that song is horrid.
2: Isn't that like the
1: the? No,
3: song? it's not. It's not. Don't you dare. I know what you're doing.
1: You're trying to work him up into a rant. It's not going to happen.
2: No, I was <laughs> going to say, whenever we listened to the Steve Miller Band, when we'd hang out, that was the one song that never got played. That's because now, it's, it's, it's
1: not in the range of years from the Greatest Hits album.
3: Yeah, it's not on the Greatest Hits album it would be one no. of the big reasons why it that, wasn't played. That might played. explain it.
2: Well, then Phil, of course, would skip. My grandma was nine eight five. Quick, yep. Thanks,
4: Phil.
3: <laughs> anyway. I mean, he wasn't wrong. That is a bad song, but dance, 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 bad song. Moving
2: on. Marvin Gaye released his last studio album, Midnight Love, featuring the single Sexual Healing on October 1st. It's
1: a great song. Yeah.
3: It has grown on me. I didn't like it when it first came out, but it has definitely grown on me.
2: Dwayne Michael Carter Jr., born September 27th, is better known by his stage name, Lil Wayne. He is an American rapper, singer, songwriter, record executive, entrepreneur, and actor. He is regarded by many contemporaries as one of the most influential hip-hop artists of his generation and often cited as one of the greatest rappers of all time. And if you watch the Hip-Hop Evolution show on Netflix, there's a lot of people on there that will back that up. I know you guys aren't really fans. I, I, don't, I don't know
3: not I am. No, no, I'm not a big Lil Wayne fan. No, I, I've heard quite a bit of Lil Wayne. And
1: it, it's not that I'm opposed in general, just on concept. It's I've heard a lot of his shit and do not like it.
2: I mean, based on what I saw on the show and what people said about him and kind of given this history, I respect him. But uh, the stuff I heard, I was unimpressed personally. Hmm. And finally, on October 1st. This was also the release of the Sony CDP-101, the world's first commercially sold compact displayer. It was released in Japan and sold for 168,000 yen, which is the equivalent of $730. Yikes.
0: Well, I think we talked about that on a previous show, like way back. Yeah, on, on the the media show. Hmm. Like, I just looked it up. Currently, it's ranging between $600 and $1,200 on uh, eBay. To buy,
2: like, one of these original ones?
0: yeah makes sense i mean it's a piece of history yeah i mean if if you're a person who's a total audiophile i mean that would must be like getting like one of the old school record players getting
3: i don't know maybe a- like a like a, a first generation ipod
0: yeah
2: yeah or a wax cylinder player or something
3: if anybody wants some 78 albums i'm selling some <laughs>
2: Remember working at the record store, you couldn't, Val was always like, uh, people got a hundred of these in their basement. They're not worth anything. Yep. As you've found out, you know, already, but yep. People swear that they're worth money. You might have one weird Al Jolson recording that was only released like five copies. It might be worth something. But other than that, yeah, no.
0: I had a bunch of old records down here. They're all like, um, not vinyl, what they use before vinyl wax no not wax there was something else voices they're all polka i've got like three binders full of polka music
3: are you talking about the 78s what i was just talking about they're real thick records
0: yeah you hurt people with
3: yeah you gather
0: yeah, really heavy
2: that if they would have used those in shawn of the dead it might have actually done some damage initially mm-hmm, completely yeah those are heavy heavy bastards
1: all right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Amityville: To the Possession. So apparently, there were no other movies.
3: Well, ET was like in the middle of you know its hellacious run, and every now and then some movie would come along and take it over for a week, and then it would you know drop back down, and ET would take back over first. And hmm. like, this is this was a one week top, and everybody's like, "Yeah, let's go back to ET. This sucks."
4: That makes sense. Bakelite. What? Bakelite. That's what the records are made of. I've actually heard of that. Yeah, it's like it's like not plastic.
0: It's a, just like a thicker, denser plastic. So. Hmm. Yeah. I
2: have no idea. Interesting.
0: All right uh, On September 7th,
1: filming began on Never Say Never Again, starring Sean Connery, who played the role of James Bond for the seventh and final time, marking his return to the character 12 years after Diamonds Are Forever. The film's title is a reference to Connery's reported declaration in 1971 that he would never again play the role of James Bond.
2: So he did seven films and there was a gap of 12 years between the last two?
1: Uh-huh. Mm. Wow. I mean, and a bunch of those would have been Roger Moore films, if I remember right. It wasn't that he he did all of them in a row. There was another Bond. He was Bond twice.
2: I did not know that. I feel yeah, done he, now. He
3: came back and did this movie after Roger Moore had done a few.
1: Huh.
2: I mm-hmm. did not know that. That's, I'm learning something.
1: Yeah, we've talked about doing the James Bond show. We just have never gotten around to it. I,
2: it's Yeah, it's a lot of
1: watching it's yeah. a lot maybe when the next one comes out
2: oh yeah give us a little time a little leeway
1: yeah yeah all right uh kieran kyle culkin born on september 30th is an actor who began his career acting alongside his older brother macaulay in home alone his breakout role in igby goes down received critical acclaim and he was nominated for a best actor golden globe award as well as winning a critics choice movie award and the satellite award He's also known for roles in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Fargo, and Succession, for which he has twice been nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actor. He's a
2: decent actor. Like I, he deserved he deserved the award.
0: Yeah, in uh, Scott Pilgrim, he was really good. Wh- who was he in Scott Pilgrim? His roommate. Oh, okay. Yeah, watch out! It's that guy. So. He looks like kind of like if you put Macaulay Culkin on silly putty and stretched it out a little bit.
3: He looks like somebody wearing a Macaulay Culkin mask.
0: That's a better ever way, better way to put it.
2: He's like the Canadian Macaulay Culkin.
3: That's right, a rich hey. way of putting
0: it. TV, he says. Moving on. Now you've got me doing it, Joel. Thanks. The top shows in the land were 60 Minutes, Mash, Magnum PI, and Dallas. That's a good evening of entertainment right there.
4: Got news, comedy, drama, action, and
0: just drama. Drama, 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 yeah. Drama, drama. Moving on, Anna Ragsdale-Camp, born September 27th is an American actress and singer. She is perhaps known for her roles in the villainous Sarah Newlin in True Blood and Aubrey in the Pitch Perfect series. She's had recurring roles in the television series Mad Men, The Good Wife, and The Mindy Project. she's younger than I thought. I mean, I I figured she was younger than us, but I didn't figure
1: by that many years.
3: I don't really, I'm not familiar with her, I just... Really? Yeah.
1: You'd probably recognize her if you saw
3: her. Yeah, maybe. I didn't look her up.
0: Oh yeah, you totally would recognize her. Born September 30th, Lacey Nicole Chabert. Chabert? Chabert Chabert. 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 (laughs) Chabert. 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 (laughs) is an American (laughs) actress and singer. (laughs) One of her first roles was playing Erica Kane's daughter on All My Children, but she gained prominence as a child actress on television for her role in the television drama Party of Five. She voiced uh, Eliza Thornberry in the Wild Thornberries franchise and was also the voice of Meg Griffin, during the first season of Family Guy in film, she's appeared in Lost in Space, Daddy Daycare, Mean Girls, Black Christmas, and the acronym of the week, which is N-A-T-M. I'm pretty sure that just stands for Northern Arkansas Tech's Meth. <laughs> That's, is that like is a that pe- news program? <laughs> no, people That's just a documentary. say it. They say, say it. it so often, they just yeah. made an acronym for it.
3: Yeah, you're... You're not wrong that that, you know, that that could be about a documentary. But uh, no, this is actually not another teen movie.
0: Not another teen movie was one of the movies that. When I was my grandmother was still alive, the rest of the family would go somewhere and she's like, oh, let's watch a movie. Why do you want to watch something funny? Oh, let's watch this. Not another teen movie. It looks it looks the reviews look like it's supposed to be really funny, man. If you've seen it, that first opening sequence. If you want to talk about an awkward sitting, awkward moment with your grandmother watching that. Is it more awkward
2: than watching American Pie with a church group?
0: Might be neck and neck. (laughs) But she's also appeared in 18 different Hallmark Channel movies and four Hallmark movies and mysteries movies. Hallmark movies and mystery. Speaking of which. Why don't they just call it Hallmark Mysteries? That's stupid.
2: We should add Party of Five to the list because there is a new show that has is starting or has started.
0: Yeah.
3: Shouldn't there think, be more than five in the party by now?
0: Well, it's a... It's a Donner party.
3: A Donner <laughs> party of five. Four. <laughs> you keep, the num- keep the numbers up, you know. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's a reboot,
2: but with a Hispanic cast instead of a...
0: If you ever go to a restaurant... Party of Cinco? Like, where they call out, like... Can we get the, the Teske party or whatever the last name party is? That sort of thing. I'll, I always love to give my name as Donner. <laughs> have Donner party of five, please. Donner that. party of five. Oh, you took too long. It's four now.
1: <laughs> I thought there were five of you. We, <laughs> we
3: already had our appetizers.
1: Yes. See, ah. What you got to do is you got to have someone else in your group put that up. So you still get your table and they call the Donner party and then they can't find them.
3: Oh, oh, that's
1: good. I like that.
3: Searching for The Donner Party.
0: <laughs> is The Donner Party out there? Nope. <laughs> Speaking of things that we should have on the list, Night Rider, which has a remake with David it is Hasselhoff. On the list. Yeah, with da- Oh, well good. <laughs> with David Hasselhoff debuted on September 26th. Other shows that debuted this week are At the Movies with Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, Square Pegs and Remington Steel.
2: Wow! Yeah, I forgot this was '82. So that I at first I was like, "Holy crap!" That, yeah, I thought that was earlier, but nope, that, that's about right. Square for... pegs.
0: That's with uh, what's her face before she turned into a horse. Sarah Jessica Parker. Yep. Yeah, and all right, I have to say, I love Remington Steel. I do. Too. That's yeah, a... cool. I got the first season on box set. <laughs> I loved Knight Rider, but
1: then as an adult, I rewatched Knight Rider, which is why, partially why I've been dragging our feet on this topic. (laughs) (laughs) We're on fire. Right. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: I don't want to watch the newer show anyway, because there's like, like it turns into like a Ford F-150 or like a motorcycle or a jet or something. I don't know. It gets weird.
0: You know what they need to make remake is um, Auto Man. Oh, I used to watch that show. with a uh, Desi Arnaz Jr. Yep, <laughs> looked like they were like,
2: "Hey, that Tron technology is not, you know, doing anything. Let's try using some of that."
0: Imagine doing if somebody good got their hands on um, Turbo Team. Well, no, I the White th- Shadow. Maybe I was My thinking of the car. Uh, Jesus Christ, Cop Rock. Ooh, yeah,
2: a uh, Max Headroom. It could be interesting if they did it with the right people or if they got Matt
1: Furrer back. He's still no, around. It would have
3: to be AI this time. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, I'm not sure
0: the original concept's actually
1: particularly interesting
0: anymore. But they could tweak it, and it could be. Not so much. I mean, did you did you see the original movie, the 20 minutes into the future? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is it also suffers from being compared
1: to 20 years of cyberpunk that took the same thing and did it kind of better. Yeah. I'd still
0: watch it, but, you know. All right. Well, that's it for TV. On to
3: sports. Born September 24th, Paul Albert Ham is a retired American artistic gymnast. He is the 2004 Olympic all-around champion, a three-time Olympic medalist, and the 2003 World all-around champion. Ham is the most successful American male gymnast in history, one of only two American gymnasts along with Simone Biles to win the all-around title at the Olympics. And the World Championships. His twin brother, Morgan Carl Ham, is also an Olympian in 2000 and 2004 and a silver medalist in the team competition at the 2004 Olympics. He also was a member of the silver medal, medal winning team at the 2003 World Championships. Ham was named to the 2008 Olympic team but withdrew from it due to injury. Morgan Ham. Paul Ham is the one that won everything how much would that suck? Your twin brother has all the records and you're like, I got a silver. Like Yay. most families, most families that'd be like, Holy crap. That's amazing. His family. They're like, yeah, well, your brother, you know, did all this other stuff. Well, at
1: least my cousin, John, hasn't won anything. Okay. Somebody got it.
2: I, I, I got it. I just, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: There well, it is.
3: I'm sad for you. Yeah. <laughs> On September 25th, Northwestern University's football team ended a 34-game losing streak, beating Northern Illinois 31-6. Yikes. And lastly, Holmesdale Carl Nitschke was an Australian cricketer, the son of Carl Herman Wilhelm Luder Richard C.H. Nitschke. Yikes. (laughs) And nephew. Yeah, how much would that cost to get that carved into a tombstone?
0: I I want to get my towel monogrammed. You're going to have to buy another towel.
3: (laughs) And nephew to Richard Nitschke, the famous baritone. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. In addition, Nitschke's grandfather, Wilhelm Nitschke, was the founding owner of the Hackney Distillery. Holmesdale was described as a left-handed bat of belligerent inclinations whatever that means, belligerent inclinations. Nitschke played in only two tests and could probably be considered unlucky to have arrived at his best years at the same time as cricketing greats such as Don Bradman, Bill Ponsford, Bill Woodfull, Archie Jackson, Stan McCabe, and Alan kippix That is bad luck. All those giants. He had far more impressive statistics in domestic first-class cricket, where he scored 3,320 runs at an average of 42.03, including nine centuries. After his cricket career, Nitschke became a successful racehorse breeder, and then he went and died on September 29th. Absorbed. Belligerent inclinations.
1: I'm guessing that means he was like... Trying to hit the ball directly at people?
3: Yeah. Or hit people that were standing behind him, or just, in general, just not a good sportsman.
1: Swinging the bat around while he was running.
0: (laughs) Trying to (laughs) take people out.
3: Oklahoma, Oklahoma, (laughs) Oklahoma, just running around. I would totally watch that.
2: (laughs) He was like John McEnroe. He just was shouting profanities at people.
3: (laughs) Oh, I thought you meant he was playing tennis on the cricket pitch.
2: (laughs) That'd be pretty belligerent.
3: That is belligerent.
0: Okay so I looked it up there's a Hackney distillery in Washington North Carolina and they make gin but I don't I'm pretty sure it's not the same one
3: it, it, they're from Australia
0: Yeah I look up I look up Hackney Australia
4: it didn't show up And then you got a thing for New Zealand You could reserve a table in Australia
3: Okay, let's get out of here. Play us off keyboard, Joel.
0: They got sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> Sir, we're done. Sticky toffee. Pudding. Right, so cheers. I don't know. It's it's one of those shows that when we go to the TWEE and it shows up in the top three shows of the of the year or of the week, no one's surprised by it. When Cheers was on TV, it's like almost nothing else was. Right. 275 uh, episodes, 11 seasons, huge cast, a really catchy earworm type of theme song where everybody knows your name. And started in 82, ran to 93, created by the teams of James Burroughs, Glenn Charles, and Les Charles, set in Boston, Main theme song, like I said before, is written by a guy uh, known by Gary Portnoy. That's what he's known for writing the Cheers theme song. It was almost canceled on its first season because it ran seventy uh, fourth out of seventy seven shows. Jeez, it, yeah, ton of characters, but it it survived. They gave it another chance and uh, got this cast for it. We have Ted Danson, uh, you may know him now from The Good Place, uh, Sam Malone. And
2: Kirby enthusiasm,
0: true. And the on again, off again, then on again owner of Cheers, uh, Rio pullman, Carla Tur- Tortelli, the barmaid, eventually bartender on there, John Ratzenberger as Cliff Clavin, the know it all of the bar. George Wendt as Norm Peterson. I like the norm? Evening. Norm. Everybody. Want, I, I. I just want to go to any place where I am greeted like Norm is.
2: I, so the song yeah, was right.
0: Yeah, I just want to, I mean, I want somebody, I, I would love to have, to have a place where I could go to where people would like cheer me when I walked in the front door. So Kelsey Grammer jumped in in 1984 as Dr. Fraser Crane and eventually would spin off into a uh, TV show called Frasier, which stuck around for its own chunk of time. How long was that on, by the way? Anybody? Patrick, uh, you're the Frasier
2: expert, aren't you?
3: I don't what? know.
0: How long was Frasier on?
3: Uh, I think 12 seasons, if I remember correctly. 12 or 13. Yeah, it was a while.
0: Really? Holy
2: crap. I'm looking it up. Well,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to keep moving. A very young Woody Harrelson as Woody Boyd. Uh, He showed up in 85, but we'll get a little bit more into that later. Kirstie Alley showed up in 87 as Rebecca Howe. Uh, Shelley Long as Diane Chamber from 1982 to 1993 bb or baby baby new earth baby new earth as lilith stern Sternin, dr fraser crane's wife and uh which she would actually carry over into uh his tv show fraser also and then new i mean earth. all of them
1: would except for kirstie alley
0: yeah one point or another they did show up didn't they
1: yeah when we get into trivia i'll revisit that because that's that's a trivia point that i didn't see in the trivia
0: fraser yeah. ran for 11
2: seasons from 1993
0: to 2004
2: nice that's crazy so we got 22 seasons out of tv out of one idea for a show
0: all right and then nicholas Colasanto as ernie coach Pensudo for 71 episodes from 82 to 1990 and al rosen who doesn't have a picture in here, for 87 episodes from 83 to 89, You do you know who Al, Al Rosen is? Yeah. He played Al.
3: The old man at the bar who always yeah. like, just interjected the, the, the greatest little one-liners all the time. Yeah, the one guy. Sinatra! Who's the biggest wig of them all? <laughs> Sinatra! Sinatra. <laughs> dance, postman, dance!
2: Al oh. Rosen was a baseball player.
3: No, he was an actor. We just went over that.
2: Yeah, but when you look up Al Rosen...
3: The actual um, Al Rosen was a baseball
2: player? I'm looking. Or is that up. a different I'm guy? Ah, it's a different guy. Damn it. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. They had an actual baseball player on there, but no, he wasn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, of the main cast, not counting Al Rosen, aside from Nicholas Colasanto, because he was dead, every one of these actors eventually appeared reprising their characters on Frasier, except for Kirstie Alley. And Kirstie Alley went to the producers of Frasier and s- uh, said, you know, I, I don't want to be on Frasier because I'm a Scientologist and we don't believe in psychology. To which the producer said, uh, I don't recall asking you.
3: Huh.
0: Wow. Yikes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, once she became a Scientologist, she became kind of intolerable, was what they said.
2: I mean, she had her own show anyway, that, so.
0: That tracks. All right, so some other trivia on this one. The show started with Sam walking out of the pool room and the final episode closed with Sam walking back into the pool room. That's kind of cool. Yeah. After Ted Danson announced that he was leaving the series, NBC wanted to continue by having Woody take over the bar, but Woody Harrelson refused to continue without Ted Danson, which I think is a good idea. Good decision on his part. They, they yeah. just wanted to keep milking that cow for more money and
1: it would not have been the same. I, I remember people were devastated when they announced the Cheers was over, but it, it was time.
2: Mm-hmm. And good on Woody because look what he's done with his career since then. Both of them, as a matter of fact. But, I mean, Woody turned into, into a very, very lucrative film career.
1: Yeah. yeah i call him at some points in his
0: career he was an A-lister. I, 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 I still kind of think he is. I think Woody Harrelson's going to be the next uh, Bill Murray. And, you know, I I would I would argue that he slipped to B status. I mean, he's not a Tom
1: Cruise. He's not a Denzel Washington. Mm. On his own, he's not going to be headlining the biggest blockbuster movies, but he's still a respected actor. And he's constantly going to get in those big movies as the guy halfway down the cast list.
0: Yeah. All right. So. Cliff Clavin wasn't in the original script. John Ratzenberger auditioned for the part of Norm, actually, and uh, they thought he wasn't suitable. He then asked the writers if they had a bar know-it-all character and then improvised Cliff Clavin for them. Uh, They were impressed by this and actually created Cliff for John Ratzenberger to play in the show.
2: Hmm. That's a bold move to walk into an audition, get told you're not right for the part, suggest another part, And then have them create something for you.
0: Well, I mean, but we've seen that before with like um, Aubrey Plaza and uh, Parks and Rec. Though, though, I will say that she did not suggest that they make one for her. Was that Aubrey? I thought it was Jerry. No, I think it was Aubrey Plaza that she came in and did her audition. And they were like, we don't know where we're going to put you, but we want you in this show. And they created the character for her. At least that's what I remember. But uh, Cliff was originally to be a police officer, but producers felt that his being a mailman would give him a little bit more access to information regarding his trademark little-known facts. Uh, many of Cliff's little-known facts were actually ad-libbed by John Ratzenberger, with the script simply written to cue him into the lines and start doing a fact. <clears throat> Which is kind of awesome.
4: Because
0: I always like Cliff Clavin.
3: He's a fun character.
0: He, he really is. Cliff and Norm are probably the ultimate bar flies that you would want in your bar. You know, the two of them to ban- bantering off each other was just fantastic all the time.
2: Although Norm might drink you out of a bar. Since he doesn't pay. He's got a running
0: tab. And he, he's got a running tab, but he always kind of gets somebody else to pay for him.
3: Luckily he only drinks draft beer, which, you know, is if you're gonna support somebody's alcohol problem yeah. to a bar, I would prefer they only drink draft beer rather than drinking hard alcohol.
0: True. Some of the celebrity appearances that have shown up on this show has been everybody from uh Wade Boggs to Kevin McHale for sports team. Uh Alex Trebek, Arsenio Hall, Dick Cavett has shown on, Colorado Senator Gary Hart at one point, uh John Kerry Ethel Kennedy, The Widow of Robert F. Kennedy, um, Harry Connick Jr., Emma Thompson, Christopher Lloyd, The Righteous Brothers, Bobby Hatfield, and Bill Medley. Carrie Anderson. Carrie Anderson, Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. What's that?
3: Harry Anderson.
0: Harry Anderson. Yes, Tom Berenger. He
3: was, he, was, he was a recurring uh, con man that came all the time.
0: Mm. But see, I wouldn't consider him a, a celebrity appearance. He was just like a, a tertiary character to me. Well, I mean, Harry the Hat was like his shtick.
1: I think that was what he was doing in his stand-up. His stand-up slash magic act and his uh, appearances on Cheers sort of led to his role on Night Court, if I remember right.
0: Yeah, so he was he's listed as one of the recurring characters. And holy crap, I completely forgot about this. There was a spinoff called The Tortellis. Very, It was very brief. Yep. Yikes! One season, thirteen episodes, and does not. Well, I, Rhea Perlman was a guest star on it, so that pretty much dooms it from the beginning, right there.
2: I love Dan he, Dan Hadaya. Hadaya? I don't know how you say his last name.
1: I think it's Hadaya. I think, yeah, I think you're right.
2: Who played Nick oh, what was his first name? Nick. Thank you, Alec. <laughs> I was like, it's Tortelli, <laughs> but I can't think of his first name. Uh so I did watch a show, but it was not great. Hmm. But you know, he he was enough, I think, of a of a name, so to speak, or at least the character was, that it wasn't a bad idea.
0: Um, so some of the stuff about this show, it's also listed on it was listed on Thursday night's Must See TV lineup, had twenty-eight primetime Emmy Awards and 117 nominations. Also, the uh, show Thanksgiving Orphans uh was ranked number seven on tv guide's greatest hundred greatest episodes of all time in two thousand and two it was ranked number eighteen on the fifty greatest TV shows of all time, and the Writers' Guild of America had it as number eight on the best written TV series of all time i mean I'm hundred percent certain this is not a nobody here has seen this just for the first time no yeah i was a little bit tense coming into it when I first started watching it because you know how we are with the remember loving it so much, and then We're you we on watch fire. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like Voltron, <laughs> it's you know, it's not like we remembered it, but um, it takes I don't say it takes a lot, but I don't often laugh out loud while watching sitcoms anymore. But even though I've seen these before, I was. I was again laughing out loud watching the re- watching Cheers one more time. 100%. I
1: was I had pretty high expectations. I didn't expect that this would age poorly and it exceeded them. And uh Sarah had never seen it before, so she watched a bunch with me. Yeah, we were both laughing out loud and uh for the nights we were watching it, it was just like are we doing another one? And it's like yeah, and we we just watched for hours.
0: Mhm. Now, when did you guys first see this? Did you watch it on the Thursday night must see TV or was it in syndication? I watched it live pretty much every week. Okay.
2: Yeah. Same here. I, I remember always getting just that, that when, as soon as that song started, it was just like, all right, this is going to be good. Whatever it is, don't care. It's going to be good. And I was always Mm. sad when they did the reprise at the end to play the credits
0: yeah I remember I would watch this. This was almost' I'm a' I'm a kind of like after school Cartoons are over, and you're just about ready for dinner. so I remember watching this and Barney Miller was like right oh, yeah. right
2: yeah, I remember watching that in syndication, but that's another show yeah.
0: yeah it was like Barney Mr uh welcome back Cotter, Barney Miller, and then Cheers was like on channel Nine, one right after the other, you know every evening. Which Barney Miller, I think that's one that's ripe for a remake right now. They could find a good cast for that. But um As long as we no. get a
2: fish spinoff, I'm good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I have to check is uh what's his name, dead.com. Abe <laughs> hey, Vagoda. Is Abe Vagoda dead dot com? I was worried it's pretty much timeless. I mean the, the things that they get themselves into, the the conflict between the characters the things that are funny are not you know you would outside i think outside of the outfits and ted danson's hair (laughs) you could take this script and pull it to the now and you wouldn't see any skipping it at all
3: that's because this is a character-driven sitcom not a situation-driven sitcom Mm -hmm. like what you do is you you have all these well-rounded and well-acted characters and you just you can put them anywhere and they're they're just going to their interactions are going to be funny because they're so well defined and they're so comedically strong
2: well like for example you look at the our the show we did on the odd couple uh the the now version of it is exactly what you're talking about Patrick at least I think where it was more about here's a situation put your two characters in it laughs you know comedy ensues here you know like i said it's more it's more character driven than haha funny pratfall whatever sort of thing Mm -hmm. and i found going back and watching this again and i kind of skipped i started watching like the first five episodes in a row just kind of get that initial and then i uh, kind of start and then i watched the the last three episodes for the finale you know the series finale and i watched some various episodes in between and even though some of the characters change, the the situations change as far as, you know, like Sam sold the bar and then came back and all that, it was always consistent. Like no matter what season you pop into, the writing is consistently good. It doesn't matter what scenarios change or whatever. Cause some shows, you know, they have their ups and downs. I didn't find any episodes where I was like, huh, that wasn't very good.
1: Well, this was one of the first sitcoms or uh, comedies that I can remember that uh, leaned heavily into the Will They Won't They with uh, Sam and Diane. And even with Diane leaving for uh, a period of time and coming back, uh, that was a big part of the show. And deciding to have them not really get together until the very end, I think, was a really strong decision. Because we saw with Moonlighting and many other series how they make the other choice
0: and it's just not good. Mm hmm. They don't they don't leave the tension there for as long as they should. They jump into it too quickly to get that relationship storyline going. And then they they write themselves into a corner. hmm But what I liked about, what I think I liked about Cheers the most is that you would see this almost transition of the characters when they would come in. So you've got Diane Chambers walks in and she's this uh, grad student. She's a writer. And she always was, I don't want to say kind of pretentious. She was always kind of like, uppity or around people, but eventually it seemed like Cheers drew her in and she became one of the regulars. Who you see it most with is Fraser. Mm-hmm. Where, he, where he comes in and he you know, he's this uh psychologist when he first comes in there and he's quoting things and very high educated man. And then by the end of it he's sitting next to I think when when people became the actual regulars of the bar, they transitioned from the side of the bar by the door all the way to over by Norm and uh, Cliff.
2: Well, and you look at one of the episodes that comes up consistently in the top 10 lists for this show, the snipe hunting episode. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where Fraser became one of the guys because he went out. They thought they had, you know, played a joke on him. Of course, he had figured it out. And then he ultimately was playing them to get back at him. And it was kind of like the first moment where you kind of saw that, he wasn't this kind of pretentious, blowhard, male, Diane-ish character. He was essentially another regular at the bar, like you were saying.
0: Yeah, one of the guys. And yeah. you, you see that happen with a lot of the characters. I mean, it t- even Diane, to a point, reaches one of the guys' level. Partially, uh, you kind of see it in the the Secrets episode, where Carla tells her that Sam is the father of one of her kids. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> yeah. episode. That is a fantastic episode. And this thing is like, I think they could redo Cheers, but I don't want them to because there's no reason to. I mean, Woody, the introduction of Woody, I think I've got this in the notes. I mean, one of the bigger things that I had for big events was the death of a uh, coach. Mm-hmm. By the end of the third season, Nicholas Colasanto's heart condition had been going very badly. He was getting fluid in his lungs. He had lost weight and having problems breathing during filming. He dropped out for a while and he uh, was not cleared to return. He visited the set in 85. Uh, Shelley Long commented that uh, she thought they were all in denial. They were glad that he was there, but he had lost so much weight. Uh, Rhea Perlman said the same thing. He wanted to be there so badly uh, he was I don't know, having a hard time breathing. And eventually on February, he uh, in 85, he died. And the third season episodes of Cheers were filmed, but they were out of order to accommodate the fact that Shelley Long was pregnant. As a result, they had finished the season, uh, the season finale at the time of uh, Nicholas's death, which had scenes of him in it. And in the third season episodes that had not been filmed at this point, they had said Coach was away. Eventually, the writing staff got together and like, what are we going to do about this? Coach is gone, gone. You know, can't bring him back. And they had initially tossed about the idea of, like in the the one episode where he's going to go to Venezuela to coach ba- coach baseball, uh, that he had moved away, and they realized that he coach's personality, coach's character would never leave Cheers. He would never ditch his friends. So uh, they openly announced it in season four opener. Uh, it's called Birth, Death, Love, and Rice where they dealt with Coach's death and then introduced Woody Harrelson as a replacement. And I remember, I kind of remember this because people were kind of like, I don't know about this Woody guy. Coach was good because Coach was, I would say about half the hard laughs that I got out of this show were from Coach's lines. His stuff was just so funny. His response- His delivery was so good. That opening where he's like, is there a Nicholas Pantuso here? That's you, Coach. Oh, speaking- (laughs) or or when he's doing did you see the one where he's doing trivia with um with carla yeah they're like yeah i'm looking for a uh third baseman, and he rattles off a name oh okay that's in the back and forth i mean just or or the one episode I, i wasn't on the list that we had but did you see the one where he's trying to date the younger girl that moved into his apartment building and he asks her out and she's like, yeah, I'm just really not interested. And he talks about how he would always fake an injury in baseball to try and get the base. And then he goes upstairs to, oh, what's the name of the restaurant upstairs? Melville's Melville's. He goes up to Melville's and then falls down the steps to fake an injury to get her sympathy. And then wind winds up going home with her. I it hey, what coach was. Just the best on his responses, best on the delivery and best on taking the straight line and just bouncing right back. He was almost like the Costello of the show. And it was a risk to
1: immediately bring Woody in as another lovable idiot with a heart of gold, because in a lot of ways, their characters are similar in terms of the roles they play in the comedy. Mm -hmm. As a credit to Woody that he was able to pull it off because he had huge shoes to fill.
3: The the tendency would be nowadays if they were doing this and they had to replace him, they would go with the complete polar opposite.
0: Right. They go with the sarcastic acerbic person who you know you really don't like, but that's part of the part of the charm of coach was he he was forgetful, he didn't know what was going on half the time, but everybody in that place loved him. He was just a great character and funny.
2: Well, I think one of the things that that made his delivery so because I agree with you, he he was one of my favorite characters. And going back and rewatching it, I forgot how funny he was. Is he's one of those guys that he'll set up the joke, he'll make the punchline, but then he'll just, he'll keep going, and there's more to the joke. And you're you're laughing at the first part of it, and he says something else, and you're like, "Wait, what did he just say?" And then you start laughing harder because th- there was more to what he had to say. It wasn't that It wasn't just the usual setup. And the stuff he would say was completely out of left field. All puns intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and nine times out of ten was funny. Although the introduction of Woody saying that he and Coach, he came there to to meet Coach because they were pen pals.
4: <laughs> and it wasn't
2: that they wrote to each other. It's that they actually exchanged pens. Which I thought was funny.
3: And it's just so so perfect. Yep,
0: yep for both of them. The other thing that I that became almost standard for it was the responses from Norm when he walked into the bar.
2: Yeah, they always you know? set him up for the a one liner as soon as he oh, walked yeah. in.
0: And when uh,
1: when Shelley Long was there, everyone said Norm, and then right after she'd call him Norman. Yeah, something
0: I didn't notice before this rewatch. Oh, yeah, really? she no. always she always called him Norman. Like I mean, but I mean, some of Norm's like. Norm, how's life treating you? Like it caught me in bed with its wife. Yeah, you know it's—I mean, his his one-liners on those are one of the one of the a recurring... dog eat
3: dog, and I'm wearing milk, I'm wearing bone, milk bone underwear. underwear.
0: Yep. <laughs> it's...
3: How's the beer sound, Norm? I don't know. I never listened to him.
0: <laughs> a little early for beer, isn't it? So Florida cornflake in it. <laughs> it's um, my my other thing that I always thought was funny was the returning joke of Norm when he would take off his coat. Like when oh we, yeah the
3: pits yeah, yeah
0: when, when the one episode where they get the scale <laughs>
3: yeah stop like, I got a date tonight I don't want to get pits. I don't, I don't we'll get stop pits you before your socks your shoes, get wet
0: <laughs> before, you, before your shoes start squishing
3: yeah that's what it was yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. it was I mean there are so many go to jokes but the thing is there like the the quote from Norm every time he walks into the bar that was a standard you always got that you always got the well it's a little known fact from Cliff Clavin. But like those there was enough of those little ones that they're spread out that they made me laugh every time I saw it. Also the conflict between um Carla and Diane.
2: Well even after they were were friends, they were still always button heads.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, they were they were fantastic. But Pat, you brought this up when we were talking about this show that apparently Diane hated Fraser.
3: Shelley Long did not like Kelsey Grammer at all as an as actors. Uh Kelsey Grammer is famous for being difficult to work with, not because he's an asshole, but because he's a raging alcoholic. Oh. Uh he would frequently show up to set drunk on Frasier and on Cheers. And then as soon as they would call action, he would just completely sober up and do his lines to perfection. And then as soon as they call cut, he'd go right back to being <laughs> <laughs> And Shelley Long did not like that, and she did not like him as an actor, as a person, as anything, and the two of them did not get along. And she uh, used to tell the writers that she wanted them to give him, you know, worse lines because she couldn't stand when he got laughs and she didn't because they did record in front of a live audience. And, you know, they they eventually got to the point where they told her, it's like, it doesn't matter what lines we give him. He's going to pull them off. He gets laughs no matter what lines we give him. So, you know, what do you want us to do? He's going to, he's a funny dude. And they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't and couldn't fire him. She just had to deal with it. And one of the reasons she ended up leaving was because, there, because of their conflict, not the only reason, but it was one of the reasons it contributed. hmm That's
0: interesting that you say that he just sort of snaps into place for it. That's I I never knew that about him.
3: Yeah, he he was very very well known to be a little bit of the drunkard. Hmm. Yeah, when NBC when they signed him to a, I think it was his second or his third contract on Frasier, they gave him as a bonus a seventy five thousand dollar Dodge Viper, and it was like. Not even six weeks later, he got drunk and and totaled it. Oh, no. Yeah.
4: So they bought him another one. Huh.
0: So did you know that there was a Cheers Live on Stage event? 2016. Yeah. No, never heard of this. Yeah. Cheers Live on Stage uh, opened at the Schubert Theater in Boston. It meshed pieces of the original TV series and was adapted by somebody named Eric forrest jackson it starred uh you know a bunch of people as uh, grayson powell sam malone it was scheduled to tour through somebody named buzz roddy as cliff clavin that's a heck of a name i'm gonna search that scheduled to go through 2017 never made it out of 2016 it was canceled so hmm. yeah so who's who's buzz roddy oh he's got his own web page woody's uh friend buzz oh my god he looks he's a cliff Claven.
2: he looks just like john ratzenberger
0: yeah, i'm sending you his webpage right now he if you were to ask who's gonna play cliff Claven, this guy i think would be it he looks like he'd make a great great cliff clavin
1: oh i've seen that guy in other stuff yeah yeah he's one of those character actors who i if i couldn't have pulled his name out if he'd <laughs> given me a hundred guesses but
4: yeah. Buzz There's
0: There are a little bit of trivia about me. I actually got the Cliff Clavin award at work last year at Christmas time. They actually made an award just for me.
2: Kind of like uh, Ratzenberger made the character.
0: Yeah. Just for him. Well, they they subtitled it the most likely to make an obscure reference and then take 10 minutes to explain it to you. Yeah, that tricks. Yeah, I'll say they're not wrong. I mean, I'll own it. So, uh, yeah. So how about uh, we take a break and we come back and we talk about something that kind of lines up. Always sunny in Philadelphia. I'll take your silence as consent. Easy there, Dennis. (laughs) All right, so now we're going to talk about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The best way I can describe the connection is, let's say you took everybody in Cheers and distilled out all the goodness in them, and you would wind up with the cast of Always Sunny.
2: (laughs) It's almost like if you took Cheers, mixed it through a Seinfeld filter, but then ratcheted everything up.
0: I don't even know how to I mean I know we made the connection it's uh, adventures of people that hang out in a bar. Yeah, that's that's really
2: the only connection. Really. Right. Ensemble cast in a bar.
0: Right. So um we're going to start off with the cast. We got Charlie Day who's playing Charlie Kelly in all all episodes. Glenn Howerton is Dennis Reynolds. Rob McElhenney is Mac. Caitlin Olsen as Dee Reynolds, Danny DeVito oh, as Frank Reynolds, Mary Elizabeth Ellis as The Waitress, and David Hornsby as Rickety Cricket. Rickety Cricket. So some trivia on this one. Just like Cheers, it was almost canceled after its first season, but at the last minute, FX executives decided it needs a little bit of room to grow it has now gone from the brink of cancellation to being one of the highest rated and most popular shows on FX. And now when the 14th scheduled season ended, it has gone past the longest running live action comedy series record.
2: Yeah. Now, 15th, season, 15th season was announced, I believe, right?
0: Oh, did we ever figure out what it knocked out of the other? No.
4: No.
0: No, I was just going to add on to this because it was not only
1: can- almost canceled at the end of its first season, it was again almost canceled at the end of its second. Oh, basically, they're just like, the problem here is that nobody knows who you people are. You need to add a name to this. Somebody like Danny DeVito and Rob McElhenney was just like, well, I don't want to do that. This is a special thing because we're all no names. It's sort of the point. And they're like, well, OK, I guess show's over. And he's like Danny
0: DeVito, huh? <laughs> So let me get that. I'm actually going to I'll jump to that trivia. So, oh, I missed that was in there. Yeah. So uh, they got Danny DeVito for season uh, season two. And the thing is, is they're like, all right, we want Danny DeVito. Like, awesome. He has 20 open days to be able to do this before your season goes live. So in 20 days of shooting season two the production crew worked on all 10 episodes of the season at once often shooting scenes from multiple episodes in one day. To just cr- in 20 days they shot 10 episodes, which is ridiculous.
3: They, they they wrote the entire season out. They would shoot like one scene from episode 3 and then while they were on that certain location, they knew they needed it in episode 8, so they'd all, you know, change clothes and get ready and 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 all the continuity people would write down what everybody was wearing and how they and they'd get them all ready to film another scene in that same spot. So they'd film like one scene from episode three and one scene from episode eight and another scene from episode 10 all on the same day and then go to the next day and do it all over again with different scenes.
2: I just looked this up and I, I I'm trying to see if there's any other sites that can back this up. But 12 seasons. Oh, wait.
3: What it was tied with was the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Harriet. Well, yeah. if that's what you're looking for.
2: Uh, yeah. 14 seasons, because below that was Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory at 12. And then Ozzie and Harriet, right, was 14. My Three Sons, which really, I don't know, you count that. Out. I guess it's a live-action comedy, sort of. Yeah. Was also 14, but now It's Always Sunny is, is number one.
0: I, the people that made Ozzy and Harriet, if they're still alive, must be like, what the hell? <laughs>
2: right, talk about day and night.
0: What is this? All right, so Charlie Day uh, once called the show's opening credit sequence the cheapest credits ever. Saying that they literally just shot montage footage on a digital camera while driving around Philadelphia, so that when that opening sequence, when they're you show you see the uh, stadium and everything, and it, it's just literally them driving in a car and taking pictures, which is kind of awesome. Also, June twenty eleven. It was reported that uh, Rob McElhenney had gained 50 pounds in the previous six months. He had stated that he noticed characters from other sitcoms continually get better looking as the series progresses, mainly because the budgets get bigger and that means more and better makeup people, but he wanted his character to do the opposite. Co-star Glenn Howerton started referring to the character Mac as Fat Mac, and when McElhenney asked if he could be called Big Mac, Howerton then responded with, I'm going to call you Big Fat Mac. I have so much respect for Rob McKellin to pull this off. And Pat and I were actually talking about this before the show, but not only did he gain 50 pounds, but he got cut later on and nobody mentioned it.
1: Yeah, that was his next thing, is once this wasn't funny anymore and he went back to his normal weight, he decided to go in the other direction because it was a big deal on other sitcoms that if the star got into another project, like they had to do a movie and they got ripped, they'd go back to their show and they'd make an excuse to have that star take their shirt off and everyone would be like, oh, wow, and they'd make a thing out of it. So he decided that he was going to do this, and then when Mac took his shirt off, the gang was not going to react positively whatsoever.
2: Yeah, the, one of the first things Dennis told him once he came back, he's like, he kept still saying he, he was fat.
1: Look how
3: you gained weight.
2: Yep, they kept saying, yeah, exactly.
3: You could shred cheese on his abs, and he's like, you look you look like you gained a little weight there. Right. Yeah. He was
0: in good shape before he gained the 60 pounds, and then afterwards, he was like beyond what he had Show first started out. Yeah, but he's like
2: Ryan Reynolds level of of cut where he's not yeah
1: like
0: marvel movie for one shot with your shirt off level of cut right and why why not because yeah he
3: did it just because yeah
2: and gotta imagine the dude's 43 years old it gets harder and harder the older you get to do that kind of stuff
3: yeah, I saw him in an interview talking about it. He's, you know, and they're like, "Are you going to keep yourself this way?" He's like, "Oh, no." He's like, "This is he's like, this is ridiculous. What you have to do to look like this?" He's like, "It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going to let this let this stay this way."
0: All right. So, some other trivia that I didn't put on there cuz I want to hear you guys' reaction to it. The nightman cometh live. Uh in Yeah, two- I
3: wanted to, I've heard about that.
0: 2009 the cast Performed the entire musical, The Nightman Cometh, in New York, Boston, Seattle, San Fran, LA, and Philadelphia. And The Waitress and Artemis were both in it. Uh, actually, Rhea Perlman assumed the role of Gladys in this. And they did the show in about 30 cities and wound up just doing it in, uh, they wanted to do it in 30 cities, they wound up doing it in just six they added two new songs and a lot of more improvisation, which I'm sure that must've been friggin' hilarious. But if you're looking for it, if you get the season four DVD box set, the LA performance that was filmed at the theater called the Troubadour was a bonus feature.
2: Well, and I just saw something with Rob McElhaney was a quote from him somewhere where somebody had come to him and said, I'd like to see about, Producing a film version of The Nightman Cometh, like making it into a movie, and he's like, "Dude, if you want to take the time to put into it to make it a thing, go for it." He, he he didn't even want rights to it or anything. He's just like, "Just if you'll if you're willing to do all that, go go right ahead." Because <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Got to pay the troll toll. Got to
0: pay the tolls, troll man. toll. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> there is a Russian adaptation. Of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that premiered on the TNT Russia channel in 2014. I can't pronounce. Let's say V Mosky Vazedga Noslencha comes out to It's Always Sunny in Moscow. And just like the original, centers around four friends in Moscow who own a bar called Philadelphia and their adventures. Oh, God. I want to see that so bad. I'm, I'm guessing it's out there somewhere. It's got to be out there somewhere. I'm sure Pat can find it. I'm sure it's in Russian, too. I I, am, I don't care. I just want to see. I just want to see who they have. With. What Russian did they find that matches up with Charlie Day? <laughs> I'm smitten. Also, there's a book. Did you know that there's a book based upon uh, Always Sunny? In I uh, did not know what that kind of book? 2015 there is a book called The Gang Writes a Self Help Book, The Seven Secrets of Awakening the Highly Affected Four Hour Giant Today.
2: I am not surprised, but I did not know this. Yeah. This is a thing we now know. And I want to read it.
3: You see that door marked pirate? You think a pirate lives in there? That's <laughs> <laughs> private,
4: Charlie.
0: This this show is so quotable.
4: Wildcard bitches. <laughs> oh, that that episode with the pirate door though. Oh yeah.
2: When it ended, I went, "Oh no." I was <laughs> like, "Oh no, no, no." And when Frank has to come to your rescue. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. You were saying.
0: I was going to ask how how much of this have has everybody seen?
3: I mean, I've seen all the way through uh, till the end of season 13.
2: I've seen all of seasons one through 12, three times. And then I've seen I just finished season 13 today. And I'm going to start the last season um, probably tomorrow because I'm I I fell behind a little bit. But I've got Laura watching it now, too. And so we're we're working our way back through it kind of slowly. But she's digging it.
1: Well, you guys know this, but listeners don't. This show, for me, was one like I'd heard everybody talk about it, especially Joel and Patrick. And I'd read about it and hadn't gotten around to it. And I wanted to like it. And I first started watching it. And I was like, why don't I like this? I kept watching more, like waiting for the turning point when I was going to like it. And I just didn't. So I stopped. Mm. I went back to prepare for this show. I I read the recommended episodes that Pat put together for those of us who were not super familiar with the show. Uh, And I also checked out some bests ofs. I made sure I was well-versed enough in the characters I would get everything. I just went through the list. So I've seen bits and pieces all the way through uh, up to season 13. I, I haven't seen any whole seasons except for season one. But I have uh, seen a, quite a bit across the spectrum.
2: Now, has your opinion changed at all? We're
1: getting ahead of ourselves a little bit.
2: But oh, sh- we can come back to it.
1: Sorry. Then
0: we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike, and uh, your answer to your question. I forgot my. I, I forgot what my question was. I first, first time. Yeah. What What have you? What did you see?
1: In preparation for the show.
0: All right. So I have watched this show multiple times. Before we even talked, because Pat raved about it. That's that's why I watched Pat. Pat told me about it. I was going to watch it. I started watching from season one. Season one, I was kind of meh. Season two, when they introduced Danny DeVito, when he showed up, I was more into it. This is one of those shows that I like, but I almost feel guilty for liking it because these people are so freaking terrible.
1: And I think that's why I bounced off of it so hard is because I appreciate the concept That They talk about how uh, McElhaney, when he was getting together for this show, it was originally about this uncomfortable interaction between two friends where a guy comes over to get something. I think it was like a hundred bucks that he's owed. And his buddy... Basketball,
3: actually. (laughs) He came just to get a basketball to play pickup basketball.
1: That's right. He came to get a basketball and his friend has to break it to him that he's got AIDS, I think. And he's listening to this cancer. He's listening to this horrible story, and all he wants to do is get the basketball and leave. And that was the concept for the pilots. And they expanded it to this idea of these people that are just terrible friends, but they're codependent, so they stick together. Like, I appreciated that. But when it came to watching it, it's hard for me to get invested in what happens to the characters. Like, I, I neither root for them or root against them. I just want to stop having them. In my mind space, they're so bad. Part of it is I think I I got to the first couple episodes of Danny DeVito's character arc and it still hadn't improved for me. I was just like, this just isn't going to do it. And maybe I just didn't push hard enough. I'm going to have to spoil the answer to Joel's question because I've gone from, I want to like this and can't to my feelings about this are complicated. I still don't like wholeheartedly love it but I appreciate the hell out of it, and I, I, when we get to thumbs-up, thumbs-down, I still don't know where I'm going to fall. But it's not a, as clear as, no, I didn't like it thumbs-down anymore.
2: You know what's funny about this show is early on when I first met my, my biological mother, you guys were all there. It's not a secret that I Seinfeld is probably my favorite sitcom of all time. And I asked her, I'm like, oh, do you watch Seinfeld? And she's like, no, I can't watch it. They're just terrible, you know, self-absorbed people. And I just, I can't like the show because they're just such awful people. And when I went back through and I was watching this again, I was like, this must be what it's like for her to watch Seinfeld <laughs> because these people are, and that's kind of where I come up with that comparison because they, they are, they're like a hundred times worse than any of the characters on Seinfeld were and they even reference Seinfeld in season 13, like directly. But
3: I, I loved how uh, both the guys were dressed as Jerry too.
2: <laughs> right. Cause they couldn't, I'm sure as their characters, you know, they wouldn't be able to, I,
3: I was totally waiting for Dennis to reference that. He's like, really? You had to, you had to dress the same as me, but they didn't. Anyway. They
2: were doing an exact replica of the episode. Everything was, there, was supposed to be anyway, like a direct copy, but it, it is, it's kind of like a train wreck you feel guilty for watching it because of some of the stuff that happens and you feel bad, but at the same time you can't look away because it's so well done. It's funny, especially like Josh had talked about in our chat earlier. When, then you see something happen, like what happened at the very, the season finale of season 13. And you're like, Holy shit. You know, these people are not just hack kind of throwing gross jokes to see what sticks there's something more to what they're doing and they have a lot of intelligence and a lot of respect for what they're doing. I don't know quite how to explain what happens in that last episode, but it's, it's kind of mind blowing.
1: We're going to have to talk about it because the end of that is you think they're setting up to do a certain thing and then they play the audience because it is the most not it's always sunny 10 minutes of the entire series just to yank the rug out from under the audience.
0: And I think that's kind of their, that's kind of their gig is it's almost, it's it's got kind of like the Simpson-esque type of thing where they open up with this sort of thing and they switch. They use that as a lead in to the rest of the show.
1: But they managed to pull this one off with audiences that know that that's what they do for 13 years and it is shocking i i it was shocking even though i knew what was going to happen it was still shocking
2: pat and and mike maybe too it it kind of reminded me i thought they were going to go to uh you remember the class reunion episode where they're all doing the the dance together and it's all choreographed and everybody's, you know, applauding and getting into it. And it's this like super amazing moment where they're like, oh, we finally did good. We showed them we're we're actually good people. Very we different. made something of- mm-hmm. Exactly. And then they cut to the reality of what's actually happening, happening. And you realize that everything that's going on is just in their mind. And they're so fucking drunk that they're like, it's just it's a shit show. It's awful. What's actually going on? And I thought that's what they were going to do. <laughs> And that episode, I kept waiting for, like you said, pulling the rug out where we're going to all of a sudden cut to what's really happening. And it didn't. And it, it, it didn't even go for a joke at the end. It just left it with this kind of like, oh, my God, kind of thing.
0: I got to say is uh, Rob McGillany, he's pretty freaking nimble. That dude mm-hmm. when, in that episode, I was expect like you, I was expecting The whole time I'm expecting the joke. I'm expecting the joke. I'm waiting for it just because that's that's their thing. They get you already, you know, looking for this this scene and then they dump you or they, you know, then next thing you know, you've got Frank vomiting into an ice bucket, ice bucket and Max just shirtless and screaming.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And sweaty.
1: We should let our listeners in on what we're talking about. Uh, It's a pretty big spoiler, but it's necessary to go any further with the conversation, I think. Yeah. In the season finale of season 13, they've been playing with this idea that Mac has his entire time been really repressed. He's been gay. He's been in love with his best friend, Dennis. But his Catholic upbringing and his abusive father pushed him to the point where he's so hardcore in denial, he couldn't even admit to himself what he really was. And the season before, there's a moment where he had to admit what he was in order to win a $4 scratch-off ticket and decided to remain openly gay. Instead of letting that set as a one-off joke, the season 13 finale, the Patty's crew decides they're going to do the horrible corporate thing and monetize his sexuality by making him dance on a float in the gay pride parade. And they put Frank on getting him to get there and convincing him to do it. And Frank uh, says, I don't get you. I don't get this. I get you less now than I know you're gay, but they gave me one job and I'm going to do it. And he goes <laughs> through this incredibly clown-footed, kind of insulting, taking him to an S&M club, taking him to a drag club, giving up and getting cricket to dress up as a leather daddy to dance on the float. You know, about what you'd expect out of an It's Always Sunny episode featuring sexuality yeah and it's all set up to get to the ending where frank finally breaks mac down and max like final dance on the floor he's like no if you do this you'd be doing it for the wrong reasons you need to come out to your father and he has used his money and his connections to organize a special show with some of the stuff from the float at the prison and put Max's uh, mac's dad in the front row and once they're all there there is this beautifully choreographed, full five minutes interpretive dance that is all about Mac's feelings. It's done on, with a rain machine, water on the stage, and the actual dance was physically dangerous to both Mac and the trained ballerina who he was dancing with. Uh, they both almost wiped out and hurt themselves seriously. And Mac's not a trained dancer. I mean, he nailed it, though. yes. And when you get to, they even choreographed around the turning point in the song where his father got up and walked away, not accepting his son. That was like the turning point for him breaking down and then eventually seeing the light and accepting himself uh, with his angel telling him it's okay. It's this rare, almost unheard of moment in the series where it's played completely straight and emotional. And one of the last things you see is cutting to Frank who's like in tears, and he says, oh, my God, I get it. And that's how the season ends. Yeah. So, Pat, as a longtime fan of the show, how did you feel about this episode?
3: I thought it was it was beautiful. It was, a, it was interesting. The entire time the dance was going on, I kept waiting for the shoe to drop, and it never did. It was beautiful and well done, and I can't wait to see. I'm going to start watching 14 probably as soon as this podcast is done just to see where they go with it.
2: Well, and that's just it. That they, they, It's like you have a show that's running that long. It kind of gets to a point where it's like, well, what do we do now? And when you break all the preconceived notions with something that's that polar opposite from what they do, because the characters, you know, they talk about wanting to fall in love and have a relationship and they're this, that and the other thing. And they think they're these good people and they're not it's the first kind of real moment where you actually see any of them have a legitimate emotion that isn't based around something awful or that's completely selfish. And I mean, granted it is, it is a, uh, something that's very focused on himself, but it's not a selfish sort of thing. And it just, I, I, I was in shock at the end of it and I, I, I praise them for taking risks like that.
3: Just to give my whole like roundup opinion on just the show as a whole, this has been something I've been watching. I think since the since the second season, when I heard that Danny DeVito was joining, I went and watched the first season. So I've been watching. I watched almost weekly through either you know just DVRing it or seeing it seeing it air live. I've been a big fan of the show. It's in my. It's easily in my top ten favorite sitcoms of all time. Might might even be in my top five. And I got to be honest with you guys, I can't necessarily relate to them because they're awful people thing. I mean, that's just honestly, it's just like, that's a foreign concept to me. I mean, all three of you were like, you know, I can't really enjoy it because I don't like the characters. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. That's just, I don't, I don't look at comedy or sitcoms in that way. I don't, you know, like, like Josh is always big on, he has to, you know, like the characters and things to really like anything. And I don't necessarily have to, I guess, because... I don't have any problem with any of these characters as far as like not finding them funny because they're awful people or whatever. I just funny is funny to me. And I guess, you know, that's where we differ in our comedy. They, they somehow manage to punch down without actually punching down for one, which I find impressive as hell in their writing. They, they could constantly make fun of everybody and everything without it coming across as like, you know, crass or taking cheap shots. I don't know how they do that, but I mean, they're definitely 100 percent not good people and they're very crass. They're very awful. But I mean, I've never once been taken out of any scene or any anything by going, oh, that's just awful or anything like that.
2: But, you know, I think so
3: I don't know. if that's a, I don't know if that's just a, an indictment of me as a person.
2: <laughs> I mean, they ultimately hurt themselves more than they hurt the people around them a lot of times.
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I mean,
2: I think that's part of what makes it work.
3: Yeah, they always end up the butt of their own jokes and schemes and everything. So that helps for sure.
2: It's like in the, the first season or the first episode of season 13 where when Mindy Kaling is there. And if they would have just put their own personal self-centeredness aside and followed through with their plan, they would have had been a success and they would have accomplished what they set out to do. But because they each get their own individual, this is the best way to do it. They ruin any chance they had to be to and they get back right back where they started. and.
3: And, and that's that's typical. Every single time they find some kind of financial business success, they always screw it up.
2: See, for me, my center of comedy, what I enjoy the most are when things become a, a, a kind of absurd. Kimmy Schmidt, for example, is is where it's pushing that absurdity to a point, and then it it stops, so it doesn't get to be just completely insane. And I like that kind of walk in that line where things do go into the absurd, whether it's movies or TV. And this does that, where it it takes a scenario and it pushes it farther to where it becomes absurd or becomes obscene. But it, because of the way it's written, like you were saying, it maintains integrity. And I don't have to relate to the characters. I just want something that hits me in that sweet spot. And they usually do.
3: It's, it's interesting that you bring up Kimmy Schmidt, because I know that Josh is a huge fan of Kimmy Schmidt. It's one of his favorites. And I personally, like, I find this to be, as much as I like Kimmy Schmidt, I find this to be leagues ahead in comedy than, than Kimmy Schmidt. It, Kimmy makes me laugh, and it's a funny show, but I think this is by far a better comedy.
1: I would say, uh, as someone who thinks overall Kimmy Schmidt is a better show, I will admit that it's always Sonny's highest points are higher than anything Kimmy Schmidt has done. Personally, though, like there are times where because I'm just disgusted by the characters, there's something that has turned my stomach and I'm I just don't find it funny for one reason or another. It's like I want to like this. And I feel that way least often towards Charlie.
3: Yeah. See, And I've, I've never just I've never had that point. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if that's just an indictment of me as a person that I don't apparently have a limit to what I'll laugh at. I don't know. And
1: it's necessarily a limit. It's just like whenever I'm approaching fiction, like I'm letting these people in their world into my headspace. And what that does to me, if I'm accepting this world, even if it's a ridiculous world that I'm not supposed to accept as reality, it's like that's going to set me up for how I'm going to react to what happens. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Parks and Rec, I prefer it over The Office and I massively prefer it over this because at their heart, there are people who like, I like having those people in my headspace and I'm prepared to laugh. And granted, the writing's got to be sharp anyway, but I definitely think that if the world and the characters that inhabit it do something negative to my psyche, it makes it harder for me to enjoy myself enough to be ready to laugh at what they're doing and not just be disgusted by it.
2: You can make a joke about anything. If it's just done it's it's all it's all on the the telling of the joke you know if it if it's done in such a way that it's either got something to say or it's it's smart or there's something to it that uh, redeeming's not the right word, but you know you can have your dick and fart jokes and they be incredibly funny or they just be completely a waste of time, and it all depends on how the setup is, what the joke is, how it's told. And it's like you were referencing the episode with the, the pirate door. And, you know, you come to find out that the girl that Charlie's been dating is what she's like 10 or something like that, or 12, she's underage, And it changes the entire dynamic of the, the whole episode. You know, here you're, you're making a joke about statutory rape or, or pedophilia or whatever, or even his uncle Jack, you know, he's clearly a, a pedophile or a molester of some sort Um, he
3: just likes to wrestle joel come (laughs) on
2: but it's funny it's funny because of the way that they set it up and the way that they pull it off and
1: and it's not the content of the joke sorry to cut you off there no you're fine go ahead i just just want to make sure you guys aren't misinterpreting what i'm saying it's not that i disapprove of the content of the material they're taking i thought frank's little beauties was brilliant and hilarious despite (laughs) the fact that the entire thing is predicated on frank's afraid he's going to be thought of as a pedophilia Little uh,
3: kids that's not yeah. right
1: <laughs> it's it's not the content that's i completely agree with what joel's saying that like so long as it's handled deftly you can get away with just about anything
3: yeah and that's yeah. my my number one rule i think you guys know that is you know you could say whatever you want to me as long as it's funny i'm definitely of the you know, nothing is off limit
0: as, as long, long as think it's
3: funny,
0: you know, two out of the three of us have cashed in on that multiple times. <laughs>
3: well, and
2: that's one of the reasons that I enjoy, love our friendship. And it's the same thing, I think, kind of where I'm headed, I guess, in my brain now with this, this show is as long as the, the jokes are being told in a safe space. Because, you know, if you're out on the street and you're making saying some of the things that we say <laughs> to each other behind closed doors or even when the mics are off. It's a little different than if we're just saying it to each other. And I, I feel <laughs> I, like the show is kind of a safe space.
0: I, I'm laughing because I got in trouble for that. Suzanne yelled at me when I posted the picture of the chocolate Twinkies. Pat. Mm-hmm. And and you said you don't win. You don't win friends with Twinkies. And I responded with, if I had friends, I wouldn't hang out with you. Right. Uh, and <laughs> Suzanne, Suzanne saw that. My wife saw that. And she was like, michael how can you say that to him he's your best friend and i'm like he's my best friend that's why that's, i can that's say why, that
3: exactly <laughs> like, like like the answer's in the question what are you talking? Yeah, i like
0: what yeah. do you, i don't understand what the problem is
1: <laughs> that's not like, as. that's not even like a tenth as cruel as the cruelest thing i've said to pat and oh yeah I'm the one making the argument that if you're a bad person, I'm having a hard time finding it funny.
2: <laughs> well, and that's like, I've, I've said a hundred times of fours, you know, we love each other and, but we do it by cutting each other off of the knees. You know, that's how we show each other. We love each other that we're, yeah. you know,
1: we're not doing one of the things that like, I have come to appreciate it and I'm coming around on the show, but like, the fact that they constantly betray each other, sometimes not even for personal gain, but just because watching someone else fail is hilarious.
3: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, something- did you think ep- the episode when they thought that they had broken D? <laughs> they st- they set her up to be a, 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 a stand-up comedian successfully. Like they they got this whole thing going oh my where, God. They, yeah, and and at the end of it, they find that they're all just pranking her. Like, oh.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it was difficult to watch. And the more I got to understand the characters, the more I could get over that and like see their character development and be able to care about who they were as people. But it, for me, it was a big reach for me to give a damn whether they succeeded or failed. I think I eventually got there, which is why I think I'm going to watch more of this show. But it was difficult for me. And it's not the content. It's who they are as people.
2: Well, and sometimes, uh, a lot. well, and with the case of Dennis specifically, they keep making him a worse and worse person.
0: Oh, my <laughs> God. Dennis is like, I am a golden God. <laughs> what I mean, the hell?
2: Well, and as of season 13, they've pretty much cemented the fact, just with the escape room episode alone, if you don't count some of the other stuff in the season, that he is probably you know the implication is there yeah (laughs) that he's doing some pretty horrific things to women it's not the
0: implication you're in no threat
2: he's
3: no danger so there is danger
2: (laughs) he's forcing consent or or faking consent on behalf of of women that he can lure back to his apartment and i mean that's a horrific thing that's I mean, that is a horrible, horrible thing to think about. But because of the the show and the way it's done, it's funny.
0: Or the one episode where they're all trying to get to the movie and they're like D winds up in the sewer with the wave of shit behind her. And oh, he's yeah. popping cassette. Oh, I take too long on my work. And he's puts a cassette tapes into the car and he's listening. He's like recording every woman that he's been with. And the one the one girl's like, oh, I have to get home to my mop your mom what uh, uh how old are you i'm like i i'm only like 16 he's and he's like oh shit why am i recording that like and then later on you uh in the um high school the high school reunion episode after his golden god speech and he comes back and he's got he pulls the panel off the side of the
3: inside of his car yeah. in a hidden compartment yeah
0: Hey, 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 what are you What are you doing?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Zip ties and duct tape. Tape and, I, like, stretch I, wrap and I, I, all that. I like, I, I like binding. I like to be bound. I like... <laughs> it was just like, dude.
2: They've insinuated on a couple of occasions that he might be a, a serial killer
3: or, or the, something. The scene in the therapist's office when he's talking about chopping up Dee into little tiny pieces and putting her into a glass cube on his mantelpiece. <laughs> like, you can't be serious. Of course I'm not serious. Think of the smell, Dee. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. A- and the, the thing is, like, all the characters are kind of like Joshua saying. They are 100% awful. If these people, which I'm, I'm relatively certain that these people do exist out there somewhere. But if I interacted with anybody from the show on a regular basis, I would loathe every single moment of it. But watching it from that third person where you're outside of what's going on, you can sit back and laugh at it. This is some funny shit. And there's been more than one time where I have laughed out loud at a scene in this show and immediately felt bad about it. It was like, that is not something I should have laughed at. I feel terrible for laughing at that. Why? Because these are awful people doing awful things to themselves and to each other. I almost want to feel bad for Rickety Cricket.
3: You, sh- you should feel bad for Rickety Cricket. I mean, he is the one person in the whole run of the show that does the least and has the most awful things happen to him.
2: Where he started out essentially as a good person.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they completely destroyed him over and over and over again. To
2: now where he's he's sunk even below their
3: level. Uh, <laughs> almost. To
0: in- impersonating a priest and uh, stealing jewelry at his high school reunion.
3: Yep. And giving ringworm to people.
0: <laughs> God, when they pulled the shirt off him, he had all that ringworm. Oh.
2: Well, he's what happens to people that are in their orbit that aren't part of their group.
0: You know, they. Yeah. They then move. you got the McPoyles. Yeah. Oh my God. I oh, love all the, McPoyles. the McPoyles are so. I, I watched an episode with Suzanne, and the McPoyles were in it.
3: Oh my God. You can't introduce
0: Suzanne to the McPoyles. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't, she was just like what's their deal why are they like that what and you, she's like you. why are they drinking nothing but milk what's going on who are these people and i'm like and and the only response i could give her was they're the, the mcboils
2: <laughs> it's like if the deliverance <laughs> movie became a clan of people the kid on the porch in deliverance yeah babies with a sister and they just kept procreating
1: uh. but- not they're not the usual inbred stereotype, because they've got a certain low cunning. Hmm. The
0: milk thing. <laughs> the milk thing. Yeah. What was the one episode where they're where? Oh, when D gets pregnant, they're trying to figure out what happened. They wind up in the Poils apartment. Yes, that was oh. the moment I think that I got the McPoils. <laughs> <laughs> you will call her. <laughs>
1: And I like Jimmy Simpson and it has for years annoyed me that whenever anyone sees him they are just like oh it's McPoyle because he's in so many great roles and so many great series and this is like the fourth time I've encountered him but he is really great as Liam.
3: Yeah, the McPoyle the, the McPoyles are my favorite tertiary characters.
1: Well, and
2: that 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 also brings up an episode of my that I just thought of where they're the McPoyles are trying to set up their high school coach as a molester because (laughs) they want to get money from the school. They want to sue the school. And Mac is so offended that he was never molested by him, that he goes and tries to get molested by the coach as an adult. And it's just, it's, it's such a weird kind of flip of a scenario that you've maybe seen in other shows that it's just so absurd
0: that it it becomes funny. I don't know. We're we're getting to that point where we're like, remember
2: that time on that
0: episode? Sort yeah. It seems like every single time that you the show boots up for me, there's the last last episode that I watched was the lap, last episode that's posting on Hulu is when uh, Charlie and Frank decide that they're going they're going to do the um, Airbnb thing. And they they think they're getting two Norwegian women and they went up with this old uh, this this old man and a Norwegian guy who's got the, the toe, the toe knife. And it's it, they subvert your expectations. On what's going to happen, it's like they set it up and you have an expectation when you walk into the show. Oh, I know that they're going to do this. Frank's going to do this. This is what I think is going to happen. And it's always worse. And I don't know how they pull it off. Because my expectations of what these people in the show are going to do are pretty damn low to begin with. But they always manage to make me go, oh, you know, that it's. I respect to the writers and respect to the team to be able to uh,
1: to pull this off. That's true of almost every character, like even characters that start somewhat normal. Like Artemis is a little weird, but she gets really out there after she's been around a while i do this thing with the dough where i ball it up and then (laughs) and even when they get what they want they're just so awful they can't be happy the Mm -hmm. best example of that is like when after 12 seasons charlie finally gets together with a waitress it isn't 15 seconds after they've had sex where he bails and goes to hide yeah.
0: These are all the people from Cheers when you distill
3: out all the goodness in them. And they just don't know how to be happy.
0: Right.
2: And just fun fact that I wasn't in the trivia, but Rob McElhaney and Caitlin Olson are married. And yep. Charlie Day and, and Mary Elizabeth Ellis are also married.
3: Yeah, did it's... you know uh, Glenn's wife made an appearance in an episode too?
2: Glenn Harrington? Yeah, I think I.
3: Yep in the In the dentist system, she plays the pharmacist,
4: really, yep, so
1: she's Caitlin, so wow,
4: huh?
2: So yeah, there's when you know some of those things it's it's sometimes funnier because some of the stuff Max says to her or some of the the ways that Charlie and the waitress interact, and you're like, "You know, what's it like in their household?" <laughs> you know, and they're like, "Oh, it's nice to see you, honey. you know, sorry about what happened today or whatever. I don't know. I digress.
0: So if you were to pin down what your favorite show is at this point, what would it be? And mean? like out of, out of always sunny of the ones that we watch, what, which favorite episode? Yeah. Favorite oh. episode.
4: I know what Pat's is.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've said mine several times to you guys. Um, my favorite is who got D pregnant.
0: Oh yeah. That tracks
3: it just it, it has every character in it it has multiple different viewpoints of all the stories so you get to see the same story told several different ways and it gets funnier as it keeps getting told my absolute favorite moment of the whole show is when d turns into an ostrich that joke <laughs> finally pays off i mean the first time i saw that i was pr- literally crying i was laughing so hard i had to rewind it and watch it like 4 times because when they cut over, you know, he's, he's bitching at D, and they cut over and it's just an ostrich. Girl.
1: Well, and apparently they shot that scene three or four times because they weren't sure they were going to be able to get the ostrich to work in the scene. So there's an alternate take with her in a Big Bird costume.
3: Oh, nice. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, but after the whole uh, season wrapped, they went back and shot the version with the ostrich. Like, if this works, we're going to use it. Yeah, I was fascinated by that episode, just how it was constructed. It's probably my second favorite, just because Frank's little beauties.
3: Oh, it is good.
1: It's so gross. And just there are very few things funnier than Frank coming out after having been made up by the mortician. (laughs) Just like his ghoulish appearance just reminding you how he is so close to being a literal monster
3: i i love the i love the the abs painted on the kid like during during his uh when they redid the yankee doodle dandy and the kid yeah. comes out and he, they painted abs on him i'm like oh okay it's just so funny
1: i did call from the moment he appeared on screen that the guy who was claiming to be from a parents council was going to be a pedophile <laughs> <laughs> Just like I saw that twist coming.
2: For me, I'm really partial to The Gang Makes Lethal Weapon 6. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I like the Thundergun Express episode. Uh, what was that other one? Oh, well, The Nightman Cometh is just kind of a classic.
3: Oh, that yeah, that is so good.
2: But yeah, I think I'm going to go with the, the Lethal Weapon 6 just because I, I, I like... Uh, like, uh, Be Kind, Rewind, you know, that kind of thing where you see people remaking things, famous movies and whatnot. It's just funny, especially with, uh, Mac and Dennis switching roles halfway through as to who's Riggs and who's Murtaugh. And I don't know. It, it, it hits me in that sweet spot.
0: Probably for me, the gang goes to, um, I just love when they go to the beach.
3: Oh, um, Jersey shore.
0: The gang goes to Jersey. Oh shore. God. That one. <laughs> yeah. The rum, oh. ham. <laughs> the rum, 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 ham! rum, rum, ham. Rum- ham! <laughs> it was uh, the whole premise of Dennis and D. Oh, we had so, such a great time there. We totally need to go back. It's so amazing. And they wind up with a group that robs a liquor store, burying a body on the beach. And, um, Charlie having this weird, romantic, firework lit evening with the waitress. And in the next morning, she's like, I was totally high on ecstasy all last night. I have no idea what was going on. And then uh, with uh, uh, Frank and Mac floating out into the middle of the sea and winding up on the Jersey shore boat. I think it's hilarious. I that probably right now I have not seen a lot of these. I mean, I watched the ones that you suggested, Pat. Just because the kids in the house and I've been doing a lot of webinars, web web meetings for work, and I don't want to accidentally leave it off mute. I'd rather I'd rather have it off mute and have people hear cheers than people hear always sunny in the background. There's a lot more I need to watch in 14 seasons. But uh, right now, I think that probably is, that one or the board game one.
3: Charlie McDennis.
0: Yes. Th- that one was, was especially when they put Danny DeVito in the dog cage <laughs> you have to eat a cake oh I could do that no 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 you gotta eat the ingredients and he hands him that thing with the flour and the raw eggs and everything it was th- just the whole concept of that and them being that way I laughed through the entire episode of that one
3: Charlie McDaniels is a good one he really is
0: so are
4: we uh,
2: thumbs up thumbs down I think we're there.
3: As probably the most obvious one, I'll go with. I'll go first with uh, thumbs up on both. As a lifelong bartender, it's fun to watch shows about bartenders. One of the things I wanted to mention about Cheers, by the way, real quick before we sign off, I was always been impressed at how Cheers almost always, every time they make they made a drink or they made garnishes or they made anything, they did it actually properly. Hmm. When they would cut twists, they did it right. When they would cut, you know, when when they were preparing garnishes, they were always cutting them right. When they would make drinks, I could nine out of ten times I could tell you what drink they were making. So that was just one thing that impressed me about Cheers. But yeah, thumbs up for both of them.
1: Josh, how about you? I'm the least obvious, so I'm going
0: last. Oh, okay, Joel, how about you?
2: I th- thumbs up for both. Absolutely, no question.
0: I've got to go thumbs up for Cheers. I mean, it's timeless, it's funny, its characters are great, and the episodes are always funny, even when you know the jokes are coming. Uh, For Always Sunny, I'm going to go thumbs up for most of the time. Sometimes the shows, I mean, just for my taste in comedy, are a little bit too cringy for for it, but I'd say it's about a good 30-70 mix of... Me laughing out loud.
1: Well, that's going to make us a clean sweep because I I do think that I've been flip-flopped. It's an obvious thumbs up for Cheers, but I'm going to come down on the side of thumbs up for It's Always Sunny. And I think I'm going to continue to watch. And I think the more I watch and the more I appreciate the characters, the initial problem was that I couldn't care about them. And now that I've seen enough of it, I think I can. And I can appreciate why it's funny. So yeah, this is going to be a clean sweep of two thumbs up for all four of us.
3: Nice. Right on. Well, I'm, glad, nice. I'm glad you're going to give it more shots, too, because you will. I would Before you even said that, I was going to say the more you watch, the more you're going to like it.
1: And that's the thing is I think that on my first try, if I just pushed a little further, maybe I would have been a fan before we even got here. But I'm glad we did this show to give me the uh, excuse to push a little further. So uh, Yeah. I mean, it's the longest-running
2: live-action sitcom for a reason, for sure.
3: And I'm I'm not I'm not going to say that I can't understand why people don't like it, but I definitely can't understand why you know people that say it's not funny.
1: Sure. Well, if you have any opinions on Cheers or It's Always Sunny, let us know. Give us a call at seven zero eight now rap That's seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven.
0: Yep. And uh, like I said before, Apple Podcasts, Blueberry Stitcher. Find us on Spotify and uh, leave us some reviews on Podchaser. Also, one of the things I wanted to mention was we now have merch. Go to tpublic.com or click the uh, the button on our Facebook page. It'll take you over to the store where you can get some T-shirts and mugs and stickers. And I don't know. We got a bunch of stuff. on Onesies, there. magnets. Flamethrowers. Flamethrowers. Rocket got launchers. Rocket launchers. And all sorts of stuff with our logo on it. Worm hats. Worm hats. <laughs> we got Denim a worm chicken. Hat. Denim Vorm chicken. Worm hats, worm hat. <laughs> we have a 40 going on 14. Kitten mittens. Uh, uh, kitten mittens. And toni. you
4: making too much noise all the time. Uh,
3: Sorry, I probably cut out the mic. You you
1: totally
0: blew out out the mic on that one. (laughs) I feel so sorry for any sound guy that's got to record Charlie Day doing anything.
3: And oh, by the way, last thing I want to talk about is just in general, just Charlie Day's songs. Like every time he does a song, not just talking about the night man come with, but anytime he sings a song, writes a song, any of that kind of stuff, it's almost always hysterical. Charlie Day is a funny, funny guy. Yeah, and he's very, like, musically talented. Like, you know, I'm always impressed by somebody that can write a song and make it funny and make it good.
1: And that's kind of the thing about his character, too, is, like, for almost everything, his IQ is about 80. But for music, he's a
0: genius. Yeah. And he doesn't even realize it. (laughs) when He's like, what, is that the ocean? Yeah, what's (laughs) on the other side of it? Europe. Don't try to swim to Europe. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Don't swim to Europe. I I Charlie probably is my favorite character out of the whole team. Uh, I'll have a milk steak, wild hard, some jelly beans served raw. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh Joel, what are we doing next week?
2: Uh next week we're going to be checking the fridge for uh some leftovers or possibly even
4: a casserole.
3: Oh, I see. Interesting. I guess I'll take that milk steak to go
4: then. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah,
0: next week I'm going to talk about food. Talk about leftovers. Food. Leftovers and casseroles, which we're kind of like, hey, how are we going to do a show on that? And then the other time we're like, hey, we've done stupider shows. Furniture. Oh, Furniture wait. show. <laughs> hey, yeah.
3: I mean, we we could talk for an hour about just about anything. I yeah, think I mean, you
0: guys are going to be surprised.
1: When it comes yeah. to food shows, leftovers is a broad topic. This This may be a longer
0: show than you guys think oh yeah yep Yep. i'm anticipating it so uh definitely but uh join us next week leave us a message let us know what you want and thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back next week
4: (laughs) www.dicktowell.com
3: now if you'd like to go toe-to-toe on bird law
0: head hole
3: Burp. Uh, uh, we're very gassy tonight
4: when aren't we gassy
3: I was going to say when I'm sleeping but that's probably not at all true
0: no it's, it's not it's not at all true <laughs> <laughs> we've all slept in the same room with you man it's like sleeping <laughs> next to somebody doing a tuba solo <laughs> and when all of us are in the same room it's there's like a four part harmony right Meow.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>